This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's Playground. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Coming up today, Fish in the Midwest host Mike Frisch joins us. We talk walleyes, we talk bass, we talk the school of fish. Tons of stuff to cover with a great guy. Mike Frisch is on the way. If I had a bar for every time my line got stuck, well then I'd probably have enough for a brand new pickup truck and I'm probably gonna need it. But luck is gonna change, I can feel it. I got a secret weapon on the way. Paul Bunyan. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Jason Durham, the smarter and better looking Jason, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hey, we're checking in with our good friend Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest. Uh, he's been busy fishing this summer as he is most summers. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the summer's filming. Where all have you been in the Midwest this year? <laughs> well, Kevin. It's kind of a uh, loaded question at this point because we still have a bunch of trips lined up here for September. But um, so far, we've done a lot of stuff uh, in our home area. We do a lot of our how-to type of stuff in the Alexandria area. So we've been here a lot. We were over to uh, Big Stone a couple times earlier this spring. I think we had actually visited with you one of the days we were headed over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, in the coming weeks, we're headed to a couple trips to Wisconsin, and then we're headed out to South Dakota, and we're still um, waiting to hear if we're going to do a Sakakawea North Dakota trip as well. So we've got we've got some pretty good plans there. And then actually on Sunday I'm leaving. We're going up to Cabotogama and, and spending some time up in northern Minnesota. So 
a lot of our traveling is still upcoming. Like I said, we've been doing lots of how-to stuff right around here. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we're snobs in Minnesota when it comes to walleye fishing, and certainly in Paul Bunyan country. You know, I think it's safe to say we're, we're pretty proud of what we got. Uh, yeah. But, boy, you know, you get into those uh, those waters off the Missouri River, for example, in South Dakota and North Dakota, that's a pretty good walleye fishing there. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it, um, it, you know, it, it can be dynamite over there. And, and the one thing that I love about the Midwest is the diversity of the scenery that you see. I mean, I love going in northern Minnesota. I mean, I can't wait to get up on cab and uh, see the islands and the trees and the eagles and all that. But then I also really, really like that um, western part of the Midwest as well. You know, when you get out to Sakakawea or to Oahe and you've got, you know, the rolling plains and the hills and, and not much for trees and you see mule deer and antelope where in Minnesota you see eagles and whitetails, you know. It's kind of cool the diversity of of what you see when you're outside all across the Midwest. It, yeah, it's really interesting how, you know, when you get used to things, you know, uh, for example, I was talking to Chuck Hazzy. And, of course, he's on leech every day, so he sees trees and forests and, you know, what we have and what we appreciate. And he was fishing a tournament over on Oahe, and he was just enamored with the cool scenery that, that he doesn't get to see every day. Those people over there, they're dying to get into the forest and see the trees. <laughs> yep. yep. It's it's crazy. And, and like I said, that's the... That's the the beauty of it is that it's completely different, but they're both beautiful in their own right. And um, you know, like I said, that's one of the things that I love about what I'm privileged to do is that we travel and we do get to see different things that maybe we don't see every day. So that that's really cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about Wisconsin um, compared to Minnesota. I mean, and I know they've got like Green Bay and they've got uh, some things like that, but. The average lake in Wisconsin compared to Minnesota is it very comparable. Um, you know, I'm probably going to get in a little trouble for saying <laughs> this, but it's 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 kind of what I believe. I think if you take out, you know, the the, the Bay of Green Bay and you know, um, and some of their you know the Great Lakes fisheries, if you take that out of the equation, um, I think Minnesota, from what I've seen, just my experience. And it's not that, you know, vast to get over there, you know, once a year or once every two years or whatever it might be. But I think in Minnesota, we have better overall fishing in terms of uh, the lakes that we have with so many different species of fish in good numbers of fish. You know, I mean, there's lakes up in in your area um, where, you know, you can go catch a limit of walleye and maybe go catch 20 bass on the same body of water. And it's mm-hmm. the same, you know, here in, in the Alexandria area as well. And I don't know if Wisconsin has as much of that as, as we do. Um, and like I said, I haven't spent enough time over there to really explore. But, man, I wouldn't trade what we have here in Minnesota for any place as far as the fishing goes. It it would be hard to top it. You're right, just because, like you said, it's not even two. It could be three or four different species you could go after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's lakes where you can catch walleyes. Uh, great catches of bass, smallmouth and largemouth, crappies and bluegills as well, and you never have to leave leave the lake. You know that that's it's it's awesome here. Well, certainly in the Bemidji area, primarily, and and maybe a little bit into the Brainerd area, but more in the Bemidji and, and North area, it's been a really good walleye season. 
a consistent bite that died a little bit in August, but not terrible, and mainly because we just didn't have the hot weather and the water te- and the water levels were up uh, more normal this year for us. Uh, I know you were talking about uh, before on the air. You were finding some really big fish for a while, but it's been kind of an inconsistent bite down your way. Yeah, it, it seems, Kevin. I don't know, you know what what it what it was or what it what it is this year, but um, the day to day consistent. You know, I used to count on um, a handful of lakes, half dozen lakes in the area that you know even during July, um, you know, on a guide trip we could put eight. 10, 12 walleyes in the boat, you know, day to day to day. Um, it had to work for them, but I didn't see as much of that this year. And I'll give you a classic example. In, in the end of June, on one of my most consistent lakes, and I don't do a lot of guiding, but I happen to have a week where I had three trips. Um, same lake. Uh, my catches were 10 walleyes one day, 18 the next, and one the following day. <laughs> You know, and and that's kind of the way kind of the way it was. We just didn't see that consistency, and I don't know if it was the high water, um, but I, I attribute a lot of it to zebra mussels and the clear water that we have. Um, it gets tough if the wind doesn't blow and you don't have any clouds. Um, we can have some tough fishing just because we have such clear water in a lot of our lakes. And I'm I'm expecting to hear that maybe more next year on Lake Bemidji. I just heard a few reports finally towards like mid to late summer, people saying Bemidji has changed a lot now due to the zebra mussels really maturing in there. It's definitely clearing up. Uh, fish aren't where they used to be. We're finding them, you know, new spots. So I'm expecting it's going to be a learning curve on Bemidji starting next year, if not uh, even this fall. Yeah, I can I can see that, and I don't know. I've only been on Bemidji once, but so I don't really know it. But what what we've seen around here is it seems like we still have good populations of of what I call weed fish. You know, those shallow fish that get in, bury in the weeds during the middle of the day. Um, but what I call the structure fish, you know, those fish that were eighteen to twenty two foot fish on the edges of uh, underwater points and and sunken humps and and you know drop off edges of shoreline flats. I don't see as many of those fish as I used to because number one, those weeds are deeper now, um, and number two, I think because of the clear water that it's actually slid those fish you know deep deep. I mean, we're seeing fish out in forty forty five feet in the middle of the mm. summer. And we didn't used to see that, you know. Um, but now with zebra mussels, we see more and more of that. And I mean, it makes fishing tougher. Plus, you know, you put a lot of stress on fish when you pull them out of deep water as well. So uh, it's not a great situation, but, you know, it, it's fishing. We have to adapt and, and adjust and, and figure it out. Yeah, and I was just going to bring that up. I, You know, that concerns me. You know, you if you find the fish down there, you know they're down there. You're tempted to go after them, but... You can't do a lot of catch and release when you're pulling the fish up 45 feet or more. No, that's just it. You know, you're going to lose, I don't know if you lose them all, but I know you lose at least some of them, um, you know, to barotrauma. And, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, and and the thing is, like, I there's a couple lakes here in the Alexandria area that um, when we first started to see this, the vast majority of the fish that we would catch out in those depths were, you know, 14 to 17, 18 inch fish. So we weren't as concerned. Well, now it seems like those fish, you know, have obviously matured and grown. And now there's more, it seems to be more bigger fish out in that deep water. And so there you go. Do you go out and try to catch those big ones knowing that you're going to kill them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a 
kind of a catch-22. Now, like I said, the good thing is there's still some shallow weed fish, but the problem is, at least for us older guys, guys my age, we're not used to fishing there for walleyes and weeds that much, so it's a little bit of a learning curve to get up in there and, and pluck those fish out. But, you know, you can get them. You just got to, you know, adjust and adapt, like I said before. You know, once you figure that out, you can just go ahead and catch a bunch of bass while you're there, too. Well, so I kind of have a theory on that, <laughs> Kev. I always say if I'm going to spend a lot of time fishing in the weeds, I'm probably just going to pick up a bass jig. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Frisch of Fish in the Midwest, my guest today. He brought up the topic of bass. We'll keep talking bass when we return. I'm Bruce Jean at Rainy Lake Guiding. I always like to give to those in need. That's why I'm on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, because we all know Kev Jackson is sure in need of knowledge. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander, the Jason that can grow a beard like a grown-up, and this is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, my guest today, and Mike, you were just mentioning the last month and a half over in your area, bass fishing's been great. Yeah, and, and see, that's the other part of the zebra mussels, that if there's if there is a bright side, I believe it's what the clear water has done for the bass fishing. We're seeing a couple things. Um, we have more bigger bass from what I can tell my experiences, and I spend lots of time bass fishing. Um, we have more bigger bass than we've ever had um, on a lot of lakes. Now, I don't see, I mean, the Wahamadu chain back in the day, 80 to 100 fish days were possible. Um, if you got out on the weed line and, and threw a jig worm or what's called a Ned rig now, but most of those fish were going to be pound to two pound fish. Now you might not catch, you know, 75 fish. You might catch 25 or 30. And in that 25 or 30, half of them are going to be two and a half to three and a half pounds, mm. you know? So we have better quality. Um, and, and that's in a lot of lakes. The other thing that I think the zebra mussels have done is, smallmouth thrive in clear water and we have emerging smallmouth populations in more and more of our lakes where you know it used to be you'd hear of a smallmouth caught every once in a while now guys are actually targeting them in tournaments and catching them so you know the bass fishing has gotten better and better with zebra mussels at least in my opinion and I, you know, I would have to agree with that up here too. I mean, we've seen the the smallmouth population on leech in particular really explode. I'm hearing more and more of it on, you know, big turtle and, and some of the other lakes here. We've always had largemouth. Now we're getting smallmouth. So that, uh, yeah, that's kind of happening throughout the state. Yeah, right, right. And that's like, like I said for us, Kev. It's you know the the Wahamadu chain has fishable population of smallmouth in it. Ida, Miltona both have giant smallmouth in it. Um, Minnewaska has had them for years, and they've got even more now. I mean, and several smaller lakes, the lakes that we don't hear about, 
um, have emerging smallmouth populations too. So um, it's all not all doom and gloom when it comes to zebra mussels either, at least in terms of what it's done for fish populations. Well, I got to bring this topic up because I've, I've talked to lots of people about it this year, and everybody's got an opinion. Uh, I got to ask you about live scope. Where, where are you sitting with that? Well, so I'm using Lawrence's version, um, you know, the active target, and um, I'm kind of caught. I believe that in terms of fishing, it makes us better. There's no question. I mean, when you can see a fish out ahead of you, know it's there, know where it's at, and target an individual fish. I mean, we used to do that once in a while when we, you know, maybe live bait rigged or vertical jig for walleyes where you could see them right below the boat in your transducer cone, you know, but not very often. Now with forward-facing sonar, you know, you can scan. I'm using a system called a turret system um, where I can actually move my trolling motor independently of where I'm scanning. So I can hold the boat right where I want it, and I can scan just about 360 degrees around the boat and mark an individual fish or maybe three or four fish and cast to them. Um, that's going to make us better. <laughs> There's no question about it. What does that do for the long-term, you know, health of our fishery? I don't know, but I do know this. It, it still goes back to the fact that we as anglers have to police ourselves and do a good job of selective harvest and putting a lot of fish back that we catch. Um, you know, and I, I talked to Bob Jensen, I, you know, former partner at Fishing the Midwest and the founder of Fishing the Midwest about this quite a bit. And, you know, Bob's a little leery of the new technology as well, but what, what Bob always tells me, he goes, I remember when, you know, what we call traditional 2D sonar came on the market from, you know, he said we graduated from the flasher to liquid crystal technology, and we felt the same thing, man, this could ruin the sport of fishing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, and it obviously it didn't. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm still caught in that, you know, this is really good for catching fish, but everybody being able to catch a bunch more fish might not necessarily be the best for the resources unless we're all committed to taking care of the resources. And I think that's the big thing. I would say you come down where about 80-plus ah, percent of the people I've asked about it are, are feeling. I, I've talked to maybe 10% that are just all in, absolutely love it. I've talked to <laughs> maybe 10% that say, I'm probably never going to use it, and the other eighty percent say I'm probably going to have to use it, and uh, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, totally comfortable yet. So, right, yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, like I said, I just, um, I just look at how we fishing, and I'm not that good at it yet, but I'm good enough that <laughs> there's times when you know I see a fish out ahead of me and cast to it and catch it. Well, that's a fish that. Um, last year, I wouldn't have caught because I never knew he was there. Or if I would have caught him, it just would have been by the luck of a random cast. You know, right? Yeah, it's it's a whole other world. You know, and I think if you're you know if you're serious about um, you know um, tournament fishing, you're probably going to have to have it because pretty much everybody else is going to have it. Um, and even guiding, it's a, that's a competitive world too, and you want to be able to you know show show your clients you're bringing them fish, right? Well, and that's the other part, too, that, you know, I, I did, I, well, actually, I counted up this morning. I think I did 13 trips this year. You know, back in the day, I used to do 60 to 80, so I backed off a lot. 
but I had several of my clients that they wanted to, you know, see what we, what, what this stuff is all about and, you know, show me what a fish looks like and, and all that. And so we did some of that. So I think it's two things. I think, um, the learning part of it is more and more guide clients are going to probably hire a guide to see what it's all about and maybe try to figure out how to use it. Um, you know, and just that curiosity of, of what this is, um, you know, so yeah, I think, um, you know, as a guide, you're going to have to probably use it as well because if it helps you catch fish and you're in the business of helping people catch more fish, you kind of got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we talked walleye, we talked bass. Um, what are you seeing or hearing or experiencing with panfish out there this year? Um, so the th- there's a couple of bites that that I think are are well, one of them for sure is a little bit unique. Uh, over on Big Stone Lake, where I get over quite a bit, um, Big Stone's a little over an hour straight west of me. Now, Big Stone is basically it's a 26 mile long reservoir. I don't know how wide it is, maybe a mile wide, um, but it's a shallow fishery in that its maximum depth is probably about 16 feet. And when you get out in the basin of Big Stone, you've got a 14 foot basin that runs the whole length of the lake. So the islands and the structure that um, are in the lake are, you know, from the shorelines and out from the shorelines. And once you get into the basin, it's just basin. Well, they've had some curly leaf pondweed explosions over there the last few summers. And now all of a sudden the lake, in addition to a really, really good perch population, there's a bunch of giant bluegills um that are showing up. In fact, I saw um, fishing guide Tanner Arch, who's a friend of mine yesterday. I saw one of Tanner's clients post that they had caught two bluegills over 11 inches yesterday. Um, that's a pretty massive bluegill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we were over there in June, and we did a crankbait trolling um, how-to segment. And what we did is we pulled shallow-running crankbaits and spinners uh, mostly spinners, I guess, over the top of the weeds um, on planer boards just on short leads, and we caught walleyes, but I think we had a half dozen of those 10-inch-plus bluegills as well. Um, so that lake's got a really good population of bluegills, and I know more and more, I'm not exactly sure how they're catching them this time of year because I've heard that um, the weeds, the, the curly pond weed is, is really died back now. So I'm guessing they're just out roaming the basin with the perch. So a person could go to Big Stone and catch a good mix of 9 to 11 inch perch with a bunch of big bluegills mixed in as well. Um, closer to home in the Alexandria area, you still have a lot of lakes that, you know, maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, there was a couple of springs where I guess that we had really good pop crappie hatches and those fish you know are 11 inch fish now and those fish just roam those weed lines in a a lot of our lakes we don't have as much cabbage as we used to have before zebra mussels but it seems like if you find um stretches where there's some cabbage mixed in with the coontail that's where the crappies are and like i said a lot of them are those you know 10 11 12 inch nice fish for catching and, and eating a few as well in addition to fishing the Midwest, Mike Frisch also is the proprietor of the School of Fish, and we'll talk about that next. 
Hi, this is Chuck Hassey on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson employed for another year. When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today. I'm Kevin Cochran, and you're listening to Fishing Paul Bunny Country. Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest is my guest. He's also the proprietor of the School of Fish and does a whole bunch of those throughout Paul Bunyan country as well. And Mike, has it been a busy year, and are there a lot of kids that are showing interest? Yeah, we, we had one of our best years. Yeah, we're down to, we just have one class now coming up um, here next month. We go to South St. Paul. We're actually doing a kind of a combo ice open water fishing class next month in South, South St. Paul, but... I'd have to look at the number, but I think we had 36 classes, and we had a right around 600 kids come through. So, yeah, we're, we're still seeing good numbers. In fact, this is the first year that we had to turn away some classes just because we didn't have time to, to fit any more in, <laughs> you know, which is a good thing. But yeah. the, co- the cool thing about it, Kev, is um, to me, fishing is one of those sports that never gets old. If you kids today and i think kids 50 years ago and kids 50 years from now you put a rod and reel in their hand with a fish pulling back that's fun stuff and i don't think that's ever going to go away um we just got to make sure we do a good job of introducing them to it right right and uh and part of that is uh you know even if i want to go catch a 20 some inch walleye someday uh and i've got kids in the boat i'm probably going to go for bluegills if i want to keep them excited well, and, that, and that's the whole thing, and I've always said this, is um, we need, as adults, when you fish with someone who's just getting started, a youngster that's just getting started, you got to have them get bit. And that's why I, I made a mistake with my oldest. I was diehard walleyes then. Uh, she doesn't like to fish as much as her younger sibling does, who started catching bluegills and crappies because I was smarter about it. <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty good lesson, I think. Absolutely. Um, and, and I always like to ask this, you know, for people who are listening uh, and looking for something for kids to do, uh, how do you go about getting a School of Fish seminar into your community? Well, if they want to learn more, Kev, they can go to uh, fishingthemidwest.com. That's our website. And there is a School of Fish page. Um, there's a, a link right at the top where they can click on just says School of Fish. That takes them to our web page where they can see some portions of our workbook and, you know, kind of an overview of the program. And my email is schooloffish at outlook.com, and people can just shoot me an email, and, and we've got an information packet that we get to them that, that is pretty self-explanatory and has everything they need to know, and we can go from there. But it's just, again, schooloffish.com is, or schooloffish at outlook.com is my email okay um if we're going out uh, this weekend what should we be fishing for what do we need to bring in the boat well kev if i'm going fishing this weekend um i'm still spending time chasing bass because i i think our good walleye bite is a little ways from kicking in yet um we've been throwing a lot of crankbaits the last 
three weeks. If you've got some off-colored water um, where maybe your weed growth peaks at around that 10-foot mark, um, a square bill crankbait, we've been throwing a lot of KBD 2.5s, which is a square bill with a great action that flat out catches them. If you're on a deeper lake, let's say your weed lines are, say, 15 to 20 foot weed lines, and I'm going to go with a deeper running crankbait. Um, Striking makes one that's called a, a Series 5 and a 5XD. Those two baits run in that 10 to 15 foot depth ranges, and what I love about them is They've got some great clear water, bluegill colors, perch colors that do a, a really good job. So I'm, I'm getting out on the weed lines and starting to throw crankbaits. And as the water cools and the weeds die, that presentation becomes even more important for me. But we had really good catches here just this week on those presentations. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty good tip, I think. And it's, it's pretty easy to do. You know, get out there, make a long cast, and reel the bait back. And you got a chance of getting bit. Plus... You always catch a bonus walleye or two and <laughs> a crankbait too. What what's kind of the uh, the signs you're looking for to indicate that that fall walleye bite is kicking in? Um, we need the water to cool down a little bit. What I really look for, Kev, is when we start getting those nights where it really cools down, um, because I think what happens then is that water cools down enough to the point where it doesn't warm all the way back up in the days. So we need some, you know, so just some cooler weather. And it looks like down here, at least, we're going to get some some cooler stuff coming in this weekend. And I think, you know, I was out three days this week, and we had water temperatures in that 72, 73-degree mark. As soon as it gets into the upper 60s and stays there um, is when I'm going to start chasing walleyes. But what we're having happen, and now is the water still warms back up pretty good in the afternoons when it's, you know, 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. It seems to cool down a little bit, and we'll be there. All right. Before we let you go, do you have time for another Fast Five? Oh, you betcha. All right. Here we go. Fast Five. Who's with me? <laughs> Question number one. Got to get your memory banks on for this one. What was the first fish you ever caught, and how old were you? I was four years old, and I believe it was a bullhead. You 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 literally remember it? I do. Wow. <laughs> what what well, lake would mom, that have been on? My mom's got a picture of it. It was in the Wild Rice River in eastern North Dakota where we lived. Wow. That is cool. <laughs> that yep. is cool. And um, you know what? Yeah. It was a bullhead, but it was a trophy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right, question number two. Besides fishing or hunting, what is your favorite sport? Football. Were you coaching football by the chance? I was. I, yep. thought, yeah, I knew you were teaching and coaching at, uh, at some point. Yep. Okay, question number three. Dogs or cats? Dogs all day. <laughs> you know, about 90% of the outdoor guys go that way. Well, here's my, I shouldn't say problem, but cats always look at you like they know something. <laughs> yes. You know? Yep. <laughs> and maybe I have too many, too many dark sneakers. Maybe it's on me. Maybe it's not the cat's fault. <laughs> no, I, you know, we had dogs and they loved me every single day, no matter what. And I've got a cat now and she just disdains me all the time. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Question number four Hard water or soft water? Soft water. Yeah, me too. It's not, it's not even close. Some guys, it's yeah. close. Not for me. No, no. It's um, especially the older I get. I, uh, <laughs> I love open water. <laughs> <laughs> 
And finally, question number five. You were a you were a teacher coach, so this would be a good question for you. What was your favorite subject in school? I am. <laughs> well, okay. If you see, I have two daughters that are in education, mm-hmm. and I always hear that bias is not really a subject. I always say bias during short or recess. Yeah. So I'll go with math. My dad was an algebra teacher, so let's say math. Okay. All right. Uh, Mike, if people want to follow what's going on with uh, with you on uh, Fishing the Midwest, how, how can they do that? They can visit our website, fishingthemidwest.com, and from there they can see our Facebook feed and access our Facebook page if they want to follow along. Our YouTube channel is there, Instagram. It's all there, fishingthemidwest.com. All right, another one of the League of Extraordinary Anglers. Great guy to have on the show. We love having him on the show. Mike Frisch, thanks for taking the time today. You bet, Kev, any time. Thank you. The weekend is here. Get on out and enjoy the weather. Enjoy the outdoors. Catch some fish. If you're into the early hunting seasons, good luck as well. And don't forget, we have one more week of fishing Paul Bunyan Country left on KB101 and KBUN Sports Radio. And then it's Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 only. We'll be at 1 o'clock Thursdays and 8 a.m. Saturday mornings. But the podcast will continue with multiple interviews per week. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. This has been the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. Sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grand Haven Campground. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. And don't forget, you can listen to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country on KB101 FM and KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 week days, as well as Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Saturday mornings on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5, B93.3 in Brainerd Baxter, and Kick FM in Alexandria.